Come on, right? Man, oh man, good morning, church. It is great to be here with all of you. All of you, come on. All of you are sitting, sitting in the lobby, all those of you who are watching online, man, it's great to be here and uh, celebrating this weekend with you of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rising from the grave. You know, we're celebrating. There's so many people here today. Thank you for being willing to slide in, get close and be some, near some people that may have not, you know, had a mint after the coffee. I get that. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. So we're going to see you all next week, right? Yeah. People are already leaving out in the lab. Like, no. Man, it's, it's good to be here today as we celebrate this. Uh, I, love, I love celebrating our Lord and Savior. I love celebrating the fact that he, he not only died for us, but he conquered the grave for us. And if I can just say this, I love the fact that I'm able to celebrate with all of you this morning. Um, if you are new with us today, you are, you are here today, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. Welcome to what we call this, the worship time to celebrate our God, and, our God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors to have a privilege to serve here on staff. Um, I pray, we all pray that you have a God awesome time with us this morning. Um, you know, today we're stepping into a new series, a series titled Label Maker. And the series actually ties back directly to the celebration of this weekend. You know, as a society, we pretty much label everything, don't we? We label everything. You know, right now, I'm holding a label maker. Now, if you're in this room and you're under 30, you may not have a clue what this thing is, all right? Let me just throw that out there. You know, you may be looking at the, okay, well, that's, that's a classic, Rich, or in your terms, you're like, that's ancient technology, right? Like back when we had eight-track tapes. You go to someone like, I don't even know what eight-track tapes are, right? Um, th- this is one of those, this is not one of those fancy digital ones that just spits out labels for you, you know? No, 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 my friends, this is an oldie. But a goodie, right? It's an oldie goodie, manual label maker. And then we go through, it's one of those, you've got this turn and find the right letters. And then you get to the right letter you want and you squeeze the handle and impresses the letter on there. Are you with me on this? Okay, okay. So that's what this one is. Now, the fact that I have this in my hand and I'm holding it and using it scares the thunder out of me. Because I can't spell to save my life. You know what I mean? Those fancy new digital ones fix your spelling errors for you. Like, uh, no, this is how you really spell that word, Rich. So, you know, with that, with that in case, we have this. You're just going to have to deal with as good as it gets with me, okay? We're going to have to deal with that. We're good with that. Um, it just scares me, and we work through it. Man, but we put labels on everything. We label everything to help us. We label things to quickly recognize what an item is or what's in the box. Or we put labels on things to not understand who it belongs to. You may not print labels or use one of these things. You actually might take a piece of tape and put it down and write it on there and put it on the box. Just so we know what's inside. We know who it belongs to. We label, we label our moving boxes when we move. You know, the Clarks just moved a couple months ago, and we put labels on everything so we knew exactly where those boxes went when they came into the house. Moms, 
Let's just be real here. You are label queens, right? You, I see some heads going on, huh? Uh-huh. You label everything. You know that you are. You have bins labeled by seasons. You have bins labeled by holidays. You have bins of clothes labeled by the size they are. You label everything. And when your kids go to that first overnight, you go on overdrive and you start labeling everything that's going with your child. You label their games, label all their toys. You label their underwear, let's be real, right? You, you know how embarrassing it is to pull back and look at your underwear and find someone else's name on it? Not to say that ever happened to me, but it's just an overnight. just an overnight. We label everything. And labeling stuff isn't bad. In fact, it helps us out more than we think. But it's an entirely different story when we start labeling people. The world loves to label people. Even if it's not said out loud, we subconsciously say it in our heads. It labels people. And labels, especially negative ones, have a way of defining us. When they're put on us, they have a way of defining us. They have a way of demeaning who we are in God and how he created us to be or who he wants us to become. And as I look around this room this morning, and if you're watching online or listening or if you're here with us, like it or not, someone at some point walked up and slapped a label on you. Maybe you didn't even know it. Maybe you didn't even know it, it just happened, but it, someone happened in the background. Maybe you did know it. Maybe someone labeled you in your past or recent past and said, okay, this is who you are and you're still feeling the effects of that right now. And I'm also pretty sure if that if, if we have been labeled that at some point in our life, we have labeled others too. I mean, come on, we think, okay, there's, there's Robert. Robert. Robert struggles with depression, so he must be weak. So what we go, we pull this out. Robert is W-E-A-K. Robert's weak. Oh, there goes Katie. She just walked right by. Katie, you know, she's single. She's single. So she, you know what? She must be lonely. L-O-N-E. Where is the help, y'all? L, okay, here we go, gal. L-Y. Steve. You know what Steve is? He's an addict. Steve's an addict. A D D I C T. And just like that, someone is defined by a label that was thrown on them by someone else. 
Let me just throw this out there. I want to see where this lands. Show me by raising your hands if you've experienced this in your life. That someone at some point labeled you. Hold those hands up high, for you, please. Look around the room, friends. Yeah. I want to share with every single one of you here this morning, only God has the final say about who you are. He alone defines your identity. And I get it. We all have struggles. We have past. We have hurts. We have hangups in our lives. But they don't define us. They don't define who we are. They don't define who we can become. Only God can do that. So as we step into the celebration this morning, and we're going to open up the scripture, we're going to have a conversation with God, and he is going to confront one of the greatest labels in our lives. And that is the label of being dead or alive. Dead or alive. Now, I think it's a proven fact that having too many birthdays will kill you. Thank you for laughing at that. I wasn't sure if it was going to go over well. <laughs> we can't deny that death is a reality. We all will live and we all will die. But if you open up this book, God's book, his word to his creation, his people, it not only says we will physically die, he says as all humanity is born spiritually dead separated from God because of our sin. When we choose to live a life that's outside of God's design, when you pick this book up and we say, okay, when God says don't and we do, that's considered sin. When God says do and we don't, that's considered sin. This is our life manual of how God desires his creation, you, me, we, to live. And only God has the power to change that label, dead to alive. Only God can take our dead bodies and raise them to new birth. Only God can take our spiritual dead souls and raise them to new life. Now that is only made possible because of what took place almost 2,000 years ago through nail-pierced hands, blood-stained cross, and an empty tomb. See, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for the sins of all humanity, your sins, my sin, everyone's sin. And he was put in a tomb and he came out three days later, conquering death, defeating the grave. By the way, that is Easter. You're going to hear the lot me talk about that, just that this morning, because that's exactly what we're celebrating. And that's why right now, millions upon millions of people around the world are celebrating this weekend with us that Jesus is alive, Amen. that our God is not dead. He is alive. And because that is true, and when we surrender our lives to him by faith, we are alive too. The label in our life is changed by God from dead to alive. 
Now listen, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be short-sighted to think here that everyone in this room believes this. If you're here and you're wrestling with this idea about God and Jesus, I am stoked that you are here with us this morning. You may be, maybe you just came because, you know what, someone promised you a ham dinner after service. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Maybe you're here this morning because you're invited by a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, or a family member. That is God awesome, by the way, because they love you so much. They wanted you here today to hear this conversation. The truth of how much God loves you. And personally, I think it's okay for us to wrestle with this. I think we need to wrestle with this idea, this questionable idea about God and his love for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says we need to count the cost, what it means to follow him. And so when we wrestle with this, we walk through it. When we come to the conclusion, man, that we need Jesus in our life, our faith is that much stronger. It's built on a strong foundation, a truth of Christ, not built on emotion, not based on persuasion. But when we wrestle, when we come to the end of it, that we need Jesus, it is true. Rock solid faith. So this morning, as we step into this, this conversation, man, we're going to tackle two really tough questions that's going to help us walk through this idea of Easter. What does it mean? What does it mean? Why do we celebrate Easter like we're a bunch of crazy people? And how does it impact every single one of us in the room? So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be starting at verse 1 this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, your Bible, your Bible apps, whatever you have with you. If you do not have one this morning, no fear. The words are going to be on the screen. The verses are going to be on the screen for us this morning. 15, starting at verse 1. 1 Corinthians was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. That wasn't always true. There was a time in Paul's life, he was like many of us in this room, where he despised Jesus, where he didn't believe in Jesus. And that was until he came face to face with the risen Christ. And when that happened, his whole life changed forever. Now I say it all the time, and I truly believe this. I'm going to say it this morning. I believe Jesus changes everything. Amen. And then when that took place, he gave the rest of his life to share the truth about Jesus with as many people possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting verse 1, look on the screen. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you when you received it and which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. Let's stop right there. The gospel that he's talking about is the good news about Jesus. The good news about what Jesus has done for all humanity. But then he goes on to explain this, and this is pretty awesome. In verse 3, he says, For what I received to you, or I received to you as I pass on to you as first importance, means you need to be paying attention, friends. Paul is saying his first importance, man, 
Look up here, he's saying. What I'm sharing with you is that important. It should be the very first thing in your mind right now. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel message. And that is why we're celebrating here today that Jesus came and died for our sins. And then he was put in a tomb. I told you to repeat this multiple times. And three days later, he conquered the grave. And us believing in just that, who he is and what Jesus has done and us placing our faith in him, surrendering our lives to him, we receive new life ourselves. So what I want to do right now is I want us to stop. I want to start taking this apart, looking at the facts I want to dig in a little bit deeper because Paul shared some things. And I want to understand them. And we all know that Jesus lived. The world, the world understands this. They don't argue against this. Historically, there is evidence of this truth from multiple sources that there was a guy named Jesus and, and he actually lived. No one disputes this. Even other religions around the time say that there was a guy named Jesus. Some other religion says that Jesus was a prophet. So, that, okay, everybody gets this. Even Mahatma Gandhi, which is the kind of the head over this Hinduism, look what he says about Jesus. He says, I have not been able to move beyond the belief that Jesus was one of the greatest teachers of mankind. Even he believed there was a guy named Jesus. Well, then, Jesus died. Again, this is not debated. This is not debated. History again reveals there was a guy named Jesus and all around those Mesopotamia area that have this written down, other religions saying there's there's a guy named Jesus and he was nailed to the cross. And the fact that we all live, there's gonna point where we all die. Even if you want to argue the fact that Jesus lived and died, man, if he lived, this is over 2,000 years ago, guess what? He died. Because 2,000 years is old. This sits well with most people. This is well with the scholars from other areas. But what people can't get past, what stops them in their, their tracks where most people have this unbelief about Jesus is his resurrection. Oh, I get that Jesus lived. Okay, I can understand that. Yeah, I get that this guy is almost 2,000 years old, so he's probably dead. But the fact that he, he, he beat death and he conquered the grave, yeah, I don't think that's even true. How's that even possible? How can this Jesus be alive? So that's, that's our first question this morning. What we have to figure out is, is Jesus dead or is he alive? Let me just, let me just share a little bit of secret if you're looking to, to take down this whole thing called Christianity. Um, this is the hinge pin that holds everything together for Christianity. If Jesus didn't conquer the grave, 
neither will we. If you can disprove Jesus' resurrection, then the Christian faith will fold like a house of cards. So this is that important of a question. Well, let's see what Paul has to say about this in verse 13. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ had been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, and our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he had raised Christ from the dead. But if you not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if only this, this life have hope in Christ, we are people who would be the most pitied. Paul is saying, this is absolutely true. If Jesus didn't defeat death, then the church is the most foolish and the saddest people on the planet. Everything that we are doing this weekend would be complete waste of time. But we don't believe that, do we? We don't believe that, do we? Why is that? Why do we place our faith in him? Why do we trust our, our eternity with him? Why do we surrender our lives to him? Why do we show up every single Sunday and sing praises to him? Why do we believe Jesus Christ is alive? And I think the answer is really, really simple. Because there is eyewitnesses that testify to this truth. Look back at verse, let's go back and read verse 3 and 4 and finish verse 5 with this. It says, for what I received to you, I pass on a first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And here comes verse 5. And, and, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. Let's just stop right there. He, he rose from the grave and he showed himself in front of his people. Verse 6, it goes on and says, Then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them who are still living, some have fallen asleep, means they have passed away. Then he appeared to James, his brother, and then to all the apostles. And then Paul says, last he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we put our trust and faith in this risen Christ? Because he defeated death. He made it known that he defeated death. Clearly known that he was alive. That he was appearing to individuals. He was appearing to groups of people. He was appearing to the multitudes that he was alive. And there's eyewitnesses. And it was documented and preserved and carried over this thing called the Bible and shared over 2,000 years. Pretty amazing. 
in our world, having eyewitnesses and documentation to an event are pretty powerful testimonies for what is true. You're like, I saw that took place, Rich. I have a receipt that shows that I bought this. I have this thing that you signed that shows that you would do this. I, you were, this person was here when you said this. Eyewitnesses and documentation in our world right now are very, very powerful place. If you have those things and you step into the court of law, you're most likely going to win. But for some reason, when it comes to Jesus, it's not enough. It's not enough. All bets are off. Even though there's eyewitnesses, even though there's documentation, people are like, I don't believe it. It can't be true. Let me just throw this out there. Again, you might have to be a little older to get this one, okay? President Ronald Reagan was shot 41 years ago, back in 1981. Did that really happen? Did that really happen? Yes. Why do you believe that to be true? You saw it? It was documented? You maybe watched it on the news, saw it take place live, or you saw it in the articles and the papers and the news, right? It was witnessed. There was documentation to it being true. Let's go back a little bit further. The Holocaust, one of the most horrific moments in human history where somewhere around 6 million Jews have been, were murdered, lives taken. Did it happen? Yes. Well, how do you know? How do you know that it happened? <laughs> there were eyewitnesses that it took place. There is documentation that it took place. And it's been less than 100 years. You know what's scary about this when it comes to the Holocaust? As the last few eyewitnesses start passing away, right now, scholars and professors around the world already start saying and teaching the Holocaust did not take place. We live and created a world and society that feels like it can rewrite history. If we don't believe something is true then it's, and then it happened, and if something isn't true, well, then, then it didn't happen. Regardless of what the eyewitnesses say and its documentation over the years, friends, I'm going to say this again. Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is alive. And for centuries, for centuries, people have been trying to disprove this and have failed. People way smarter than me with more initials behind because of degrees they've taken behind their name, have tried to disprove his resurrection and they have failed. Jesus conquering the grave is one of the most disputed pieces of time in human history. And guess what? It's never been disproved. Why? 
because you can't hide the truth. No matter how much you don't like it, you can't hide the truth that Jesus is alive. No matter how much the world wants to reject Jesus, they cannot bury the truth of who he is, why he came, and what he did, that he is alive, that our God is not dead. Can I just say something that's a little off the wall? If a guy can predict, predict his death and resurrection and pull it off, man, that dude's got my attention. All right? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Paul, the author of this letter, he eventually died, but he died for proclaiming the truth of Jesus' message. In fact, you go back and read the historical books again, you see that every one of Jesus' disciples by John were killed for their faith. Forget about the truth for a minute, friends. Forget about it. Set that aside. Why would anyone die for a lie? Let me ask you, would you die for a lie? No. So it must be true. They didn't die for the lie. They died for the truth. Proclaiming the same truth that we are proclaiming this morning. That Jesus, the Son of God, and he came and he died on the cross for our sin. And he rose from the grave three days later and now resides in the right hand of the Father. And the right moment, man, he is coming back to make everything the way it was in the beginning. No more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. It will be perfect. Somebody's ask you, is Jesus dead or is he alive? You tell me. He's what? He's what? Amen. Now I have to ask you another tough question. This one's kind of personal. Are you dead or alive? If Jesus conquered the death, conquered death and he did. If the Bible, what the Bible says about him is true, it is. Then where are you? Where are you this morning? You know, several years ago, I ran a after-school program at, at the school that I was a part of, or next to, or a part of, and I ran the weight room for them. You know, in order to step into this role, I had to learn uh, CPR. I had to take CPR. I had to learn what to, what to do if someone collapsed in the gym. Thankful that no one did. Um, what would I do if they fell and they stopped breathing? I mean, I had to learn how to, to save someone's life. Could you imagine if that happened here on a Sunday morning? If someone fell on the floor this morning and stopped breathing, let me just ask you, would we all just circle around them and look down and say, well, that stinks, and do nothing? Would we? On any given Sunday, there are two to three nurses here, people in the medical field. We have a medical team who know, and all tons of others in this room who know CPR. Those who know the business, 
Would they come up and circle around the person who's laying on the floor and, and say, you know what? I got the tools to save you, but I'm not going to do a thing. No. We have a responsibility to call 911. We have to get down and start performing CPR, doing chest compressions, mouth to mouth, whatever we need to do to save that person. Right? then I have the same responsibility for all of you. This church has a responsibility, the same responsibility to all of you. You know, the scripture is really clear. The Bible is very, very clear. There is only one way to spend eternity in heaven with God. And that is through a life surrendered to Jesus Christ, making him your Lord and your Savior. And if you're here this morning and you've not prayed, you've not surrendered him, giving him all of you, if you've not, and you're saying yes to the world and saying no to Jesus, I told you it's going to be personal. You are still dead. Dead in your sin, separated from God, the one who created you and the one who loves you the most. But this is, this, this is why we church people, right, with have given our life to Jesus. This is why when Easter comes, man, we just raise the roof in our praise. Because in Jesus, there is hope. There is hope for every single one of us. In Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus' resurrection, there is hope. In Jesus conquering the grave, there is hope. In Jesus defeating death, there is hope. When we give Jesus a life, there is hope. Hope, hope for a new life, hope for eternal life, hope to be with him in a glorious place called heaven for all eternity, hope. And if that's what you desire, that you want to hold to, you have to decide what you believe. Do you believe in the eyewitnesses? Do you believe in the documentation? Do you believe the, those of God's put in your life that you've seen their life radically change because of Jesus? Do you believe? And if you do, will you today give it all to Jesus? You know, Paul ends this In verse 22, he says, for in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made. You say it. Say it again. One more time. And that is why we celebrate Easter. Amen, Amen, church. So right now, I'm going to close this in prayer. And we're going to celebrate what God has done for us. And if you're in this room and you need that label flipped, will you let God do it right here, right now?
And I'm gonna ask you to come forward. We're gonna pray with you with our prayer team. We're gonna pray over you, pray with you. And we're gonna watch that take place firsthand. He loves you that much, friends. Let's do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And today, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love that you sent him him to die in our place. We thank you for his perfect life. Thank you for his perfect sacrifice. And we thank you for him defeating death and conquering the grave. God, today we celebrate our risen Lord. We celebrate our risen Christ. But I know there's people in this room who haven't or can't or won't. My prayer right now, Father, is for you to be working in their hearts and their minds to come to the end of themselves and realizing that Jesus is the only way to you. It's not just showing up on church on Easter Sunday or any other Sunday. It's not being good enough people, being nice to the little ladies and walking them across the street. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus. So Father, I pray this morning for just that. You know, I... I I don't even know if we have the prayer team set this morning, but I'm gonna ask you to come forward right now. If you're on a prayer team, just come forward. And if you're in this room right here, right now, and you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you come forward. Be bold, be courageous, step out and trust in this amazing guy named Jesus in faith. Don't walk out those doors. while making a right with the one who created you. I'm gonna sit here for a minute because I know in my life when I was at this point, man, I was just shaking in my boots. I didn't wanna get up. I didn't wanna walk forward because I was afraid what people would think Father, I pray that you move them. Remove the fear of those in the room who need you. May they get up right now and come forward and surrender their life to you. May this be an Easter they will forever remember. God, we leave this place and we celebrate what your son has done for us. And I pray that today is just the beginning of a new day for many of us in this room. May we go out and proclaim this truth across anyone who brings you bring across our path. May we live wholeheartedly for you. And may we come back together next week and just see what other labels you need to flip in our lives. Because that's what you do. You flip the script in life. Your son, Jesus, he changes everything.
And it's in his name I pray. Church praise. Amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing morning.